Welcome to another episode of Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen. I'm Pastor George, and I have a really interesting and cool ruling elder to interview, Mike Burns. Mike is the founder, inventor of this product and or a company called Valvamax. And so what this episode is going to be about is really uh, entrepreneurship and ruling elders. And so doing something a little bit different, but it's really neat because it takes a leap of faith to, to do uh, what Mike did. Mike is a young ruling elder, passionate about the Lord and um, not afraid to take some risks. And so we're looking forward to this discussion. Also, he's a friend of a friend. And so if you listen to my Grace to Stand podcast, Darren Stone, my partner in crime on that one, Mike Burns was a, a member at one of Darren's former churches, but then he also interacted with Darren where Mike currently is in Texas. So welcome, Mike. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, thanks so much, George, for having me on uh, today's podcast. You know, I've been a listener of not only Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen, but also uh, Grace to Stand, as you mentioned, and have been uh, really encouraged by what you and Darren Stone are doing over on that podcast. And I've uh, listened to, um, I think, almost every episode on uh, Grace to Stand. And uh, I think one of my favorite episodes are that one that you did recently with uh, Dr. O'Palmer Robertson. And uh, <laughs> that, was, that was really uh, a great episode. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, excited to be on today's uh, show. Um, you know, we, uh, I was raised in a Reformed Southern Baptist church uh, in Owasso, Oklahoma, which is just north of Tulsa. And uh, when I graduated uh, college, my wife and I were married, and uh, I c commissioned into the Air Force. And we uh, moved to Colorado Springs, uh, where we joined our first uh, PCA church. This was back in 2006, so I guess this was about 18 years ago. So I've been in the PCA for about 18 years. Uh, and at that time, at, um, we were at Village 7 Presbyterian Church, and our um, the church was really in between pastors. We had uh, Dr. Dominic Aquila that was uh, sort of filling in uh, at the pulpit during that time. And then later, the church called Mark Bates. Wait a minute. The D Dominic Aquila was interiming, interim pastoring for your, at the church you were at? He was. He, he was uh, filling the pulpit uh, just about each Sunday as the church was sort of between pastors. Um, wow. And so, you know, I heard uh, Dr. Aquila's preaching and uh, really enjoyed um, hearing, hearing him and... Um, it, that was the first experience we had with the PCA, and so um, we really um, appreciated my wife and I both being raised in the Southern Baptist Church, and um, you know the how the PCA stresses the uh, absolute sovereignty of God in all things, Amen. and uh, the authority and inspiration of, of Scripture, and and we heard the gospel presented in a way at that church that was different than the way that we had heard it in the past, that really the um, the Bible is all one story, and it's an, an, an unfolding of God's plan of redemption. Um, and so um, we went from there. I guess we were at that church for about um, four years, and then the military moved us to um, Biloxi, Mississippi, of all places. Um, but uh, there um, we went to First Presbyterian Church in Biloxi, and I had the, um, the chance to meet um, – what turned out to be a really good uh, dear friend of mine, and that's uh, Darren Stone, who you um, 
are doing the, the other podcast with. And uh, we were there at First Pres for, I guess, about uh, three years. And then we went back to Oklahoma and we were part of a church plant called Trinity Presbyterian Church uh, there for a few years. And then um, because of a job, we got sent down to Houston, Texas. And now we're at Christ Church uh, here in Katy. Okay. So you know Darren from um, Biloxi, not from Texas. Yeah, that's right. So Darren was our um, senior minister at First Pres in Biloxi. Okay. All right. And and now your your senior minister is who? Uh, Fred Greco. Fred Greco. So, mm-hmm. man, that's all. You had Dominic Aquila and Fred Greco. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. You know, we go to like General Assembly and I'll be talking to guys and I'll say, and you know, they'll ask, what church are you from? And I'll say, uh, well, I'm from Christ Church in Katy. And they just say, oh, okay. You know, and then uh, they say, who's your pastor? And I'll say, well, our pastor is Fred Greco. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, now I know exactly who you, uh, what church you're at. <laughs> yes. Okay. So. Yeah, so you have a long long history in the PCA. And uh, I didn't even introduce why I'm having you on besides you're a cool guy uh, and a listener. But you're an entrepreneur, and we're, we're going to get into that because I want to really uh, – first of all, your product seems so cool. And uh, – I wasn't kidding. I always, when I said I wanted to be, I always kind of wanted to invent something and start a business like that. I have started businesses, but nothing of my own invention. And so we'll get into that. But I forgot you you were in the Air Force, you said, right? That's right. I was in the Air Force for about uh, six years. Were you a pilot? No, I was um, in the, I, I paid for the airplanes and the pilot salaries. <laughs> I okay. was in uh, finance. Okay. All right. So. Well, very good. Well, thank you for your service. And um, yeah. so what did you do? I guess let's jump into what your product is and then because you recently left your job now to, to launch this. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So um, my business is Valvomax. Um, you know, the whole business is about making oil changes easier, faster, cleaner, safer. Um, Changing oil on your car uh, is a very messy thing. It's very time consuming. It takes a lot of uh, tools. Uh, It's a mess. You know, when you pull the bolt out, the oil (laughs) just kind of sort of pours out all over the place. It gets on your hands. It spills in the driveway. It gets on the garage floor. Um, And so um, I was changing my own oil one day. And it just got all over the place, and I thought, my goodness, I can't believe there's not a better way to do this. And so I went to every auto parts store uh, in town, and I asked them if they had a better solution. Uh, none of them offered a better way, and so I um, hired an automotive engineer. We came up with a set of drawings. We prototyped it, 3D printed it, and um, came up with this product that uh, basically is a, it's a valve that replaces the drain bolt in the oil pan, and it allows for a mess-free, tools-free um, oil change. And so really anybody can change oil with this product. Um, makes it fast, makes it quick. Um, you know, we say you can change your oil. I see you got the website up there now. Um, you can change your oil in 10 minutes or less with no mess is kind of our, our tagline. That's amazing. I guess the hardest part would be to get to the filter, huh? <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're actually working on a tool right now for the oil filter. Uh, I have a lot of customers that have told me, they're like, Mike, you know, you've only solved 
part of the problem here. <laughs> uh, the rest of it would be the filter, and so we're, we're working on that. Yeah, but I think you got the 90% part of the problem. I mean, that's like it's just a messy thing. This is amazing. So if I'm understanding the product right, like you said, it replaces the the um, uh, the, the, the plug in the – is that what it's called, the plug? Yeah, the, the plug, the drain bolt. The drain bolt, right. And so this, this will stay – uh, in the the drain pan permanently, right? This new plug. That's right. It's designed to permanently replace the the bolt in the oil pan. Okay, and it has a, a dust cover that comes off. You hook a hose to it. That hose can then hook to a reservoir or a container, like you see if, if if you're watching online, you can see the video. And then what do you? How do you start the flow? I mean, how, how does it? Is there? Yeah, explain that. Well, uh, the valve doesn't start draining the oil until the drain tool is connected. And so what it is is a, a spring-assisted check ball that's in the valve. And the drain tube contains a, a bayonet, um, which is a, a device that pushes upward on the check ball that's in the valve. And that releases the flow of oil through the drain tube. And then it goes down into my bag system. Uh, and the bags can then be taken uh, with the used oil to any of the local auto parts stores. So... Uh, you know, Advance, O'Reilly, Napa, um, AutoZone, they all take the, the drain bags. Yeah. I <clears throat> When I see this, I'm like, I can't believe this wasn't invented already. I mean, it just makes sense. We're like barbarians there opening up, <laughs> like removing a bolt, and then all just the oil comes gushing out. And here you have a nice, clean way to do this. It's amazing. I'm so uh, – man, congratulations. And I, you're going to – help a lot of people so wh where can they where can this be found because i think this is awesome like when did you start this wh wh what's the timeline um really i came up with the idea probably in 2016 um i incorporated as a, an llc in 2018 here in um in, in texas uh, i started the business in my garage uh, where i guess a lot of businesses start right mm -hmm. and um my wife and i were um sort of putting these together and um, and then um, the big, I guess, watershed moment for the business was when a local YouTuber in Houston named Scotty Kilmer, uh, who's very well known in the automotive community, he, uh, he basically reviewed my product on his YouTube channel. Mm. And uh, overnight, I, that video got a million views. What? Um, I, I had uh, 750 orders from that video. You know, before it was like, you know, if we sold five or 10 in a week, it was like a great week. Mm -hmm. And then that video hit live. Uh, and when it hit on this channel, I had 750 orders all in one day. And my wife and I are panicking. You know, <laughs> we're like up all night long the night after it aired, trying to think about how we're going to fulfill these orders. Um, and, you know, I guess the rest is kind of just history. It's, um, I'm really grateful for him to, to do that video. And he's a well-known figure in the automotive DIY space. And a lot of people respect and look up to him and what he has to say. And so, yeah, that video hit. And um, I think it kind of really proved the concept for us. It showed that there's a need for a product like this out there and that people are willing to pay for it. And, um, you know, it started off with just selling these through my website and through Amazon, um, and now we're in 250 stores. And in fact, I just signed, I got a purchase order signed from uh, Lowe's, <clears throat> and Lowe's is going to put us in a thousand stores nationwide. Praise God! Man. And so uh, I'm just really <laughs> excited about that. <laughs> I bet. How many? So how many SKUs do you have? Or you have to order it by car engine? Like how does that work? 
Well, part of what makes this business a little bit more complicated is that um, it does depend on the unique make, model, and year of the vehicle. And so not all cars contain the same uh, thread bolt pattern in the oil pan. And so mm-hmm. on my website, um, you would have to select your, your particular vehicle, and then it tells you what size you need. And so I have really about 12 different SKUs um, that fit different oil pans. But what I've found is that three SKUs account for about 90% of all the cars in the market today. And then the rest of it's sort of a long tail of all those kind of odd makes and models of vehicles that are out there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So when you got the 750 orders overnight, like did, did you have product in the warehouse, wait, you know, able to fill those or then you had to go make them and you're not making these one by one. I know. I mean, it's, Right. No, I didn't. Um, I, I, you know, it was a total shock. Um, we had maybe like 20 or 25 sitting on the shelf. And so, uh, you know, just this feeling of panic, uh, like, what are we going to do? Um, and so we had to manufacture them over the next month. And so I had to send emails out to all of these people and let them know, um, you know, we understand if you need to cancel your order, but here's the deal. <laughs> it's right. going to take about a month before we get your order out to you. Yeah. But where are they going to go? Right. I mean, you got a patent. And so this is, uh, that's right. Yeah. Did you, did you think of going the shark tank route? Um, you know, I thought about that uh, when I went to Charlotte uh, a couple of months ago, I was, um, it was very much like shark tank cause I was presenting to buyers at Lowe's uh, and they, they bring you into a room and you're talking to, it's very, you know, you have four minutes to do your whole thing. You've got like a th- mm. 60 seconds to set up your product. You've got a minute to present it. And then you've got like another minute or two on the backside to answer questions. And so it was sort of a shark, shark tank like experience, I guess. Did, were you just like enjoying the ride or was there a lot of anxiety and pressure? What was that experience like? Um, I mean, it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, I didn't have a lot of pressure because even without the Lowe's deal, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well. The business continues to grow. We're getting uh, the word out more and more. Um, and so, you know, having the Lowe's, um, order i think is just gonna it's gonna be really nice for us this year um Mm. but i really didn't think that this would be something they'd be interested in but they're wanting to build out the automotive segment of the stores right well how many how many of your SKUs are they going to carry um right now they have committed to only carrying in the stores our disposable funnel product and so um you know uh, I, I've tried to build out the product line to not only be the oil valve, but also okay. um, to be the one-stop source for all things oil change related. And so mm. we carry not only the valve, but the disposable funnels, the drain bags, and some other tools. Um, and so right now they've committed to carrying the disposable funnels in the stores. Right. So they're not carrying the plug, the, the, the whole system at this point. At, at this point, right. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Because that would take a lot of display space to have every yeah. – are you in auto parts stores like AutoZone or – not yet. Um, I'm talking to some of them right now, and I'd love to be able to get into something like that. Um, but you know, the, we're continuing the, the talks with with stores like that. Yeah, yeah. So, talk to me about like the spiritual journey of the whole thing too, because I think it's tough. It, it's scary, man, to go out on your own to invest. I mean, you hired, you actually hired somebody. I mean, that's that's an expense and. Uh, to file a patent and, you know, any big company could knock you off before you get your work done. And um, just this, you know, inertia is hard <laughs> to to break. You got a good thing in life, but I'm going to go out and take this risk. So how did that, how did you guys think through that, pray through that? Was your wife nervous about it? How did it work out? 
Well, it was a big decision to quit my job back last September, and it was something that uh, we prayed a lot about. Uh, you know, we sought sought the counsel of others in our church, and um, mm. before we we made the decision to do that, um, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've just always loved small business and the creativity, and you know, solving a problem, bringing products to market, making people's lives easier, um, and so. You know, we ultimately decided, my wife got to the point where she's like, I just think you need to quit your job. Uh, and for the longest time, she That's was awesome. um, very hesitant about it. You know, uh, she's saying, I don't think that, I don't think we should do that. I think you should continue working uh, at, at your your job. And so it was really tough. It was really taxing on us being, um, you know, not only having a job at working in downtown Houston. And so driving in, you know, an hour each way to work. Um, putting in the hours there and then doing this, this side business in the evenings and in the early morning hours. Um, and so what I found since I transitioned from being a full-time employee to now being a full-time entrepreneur is that um, that has freed up time for me to, to serve the church mm. in ways that I would have never been able to do before. And so whereas before, you know, you had to request time off, um, I had to I had to do so many hours on the clock um, before I could leave for the day. Now I have a lot more freedom to be able to um, meet with families at the um, in my shepherding group uh, at our church, to um, have lunch with guys uh, in Katy that I would have never been able to do before, um, to to spend more time um, doing different activities at the church and. Um, it's just really been a wonderful time since September, even though it didn't come without some, um, you know, uncertainty and, and just uh, because I've, I've always had a job. And so uh, it, it's just it is still feels a little bit odd. Like I don't have anyone telling me what to do every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, wow. I mean, I get that because you were doing two things. You were you had a full time job and then you're running this this other business but you would think a business like and how you're expanding and and the product lines growing like that that would be it certainly is a full-time job but it's giving you flexibility but do you see that your your flexibility coming to an end in the near future as you grow i mean you're gonna grow this thing is everybody's got cars you know and and, and lots of people are doing their own oil changes and i can't imagine not wanting this you know so <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. And so one of the things that I really try to do is to um, focus on the things that I can outsource and the things that I can delegate, the things that I can automate, um, and so that I don't have to keep myself busy, doing busy work all day, uh, mm -hmm. that I can sort of set the, the overall direction. You know, we started off the business in my garage, it was just my wife and I, and then um, we started bringing in some temporary help, mainly from the church, from our youth group, um, guys in the neighborhood that would come by my garage and help me put these together. And then now we have uh, five employees, and um, they, they come in here, and they, um, they assemble these products. They put barcodes on them. They package them. They test them. They ship them out. Um, and so as we continue to scale, you know, I think that's going to be an important thing is achieving that balance and... Um, figuring out how to automate certain things and um, delegate where I can um, because you're right. It is, you know, Lord willing, the business would continue to grow and that he, um, the Lord would be, um, the Lord would continue to, um, 
to grow the business and get the name out there more and uh, that it would provide that that income for us going into the future mm. yeah so sh hold it up show it to us so this is the uh, quick twist oil drain valve this is our main product um, this is the, the piece here that screws into the oil pan of the, the car and then this is the uh, drain tube that connects to the, the valve and then mm -hmm. that um, can be connected to our optional drain bag system and this is our drain one of our drain bags uh, this is right. a 20 liter bag that holds the used yeah. oil so when, when we fry our our turkey um for thanksgiving uh that it, it the peanut oil comes in those containers and i'm just wondering if there's a if, if we're actually frying it in old uh, oil change oil and because it. it looks the same no um, yeah, but maybe <laughs> no. i hope not yeah i hope not too uh i i love i love what you said i mean this obviously is a ruling elder podcast but i just wanted to do something different because i think what you have is unique and i i'm excited for you uh because the journey is so fresh you know and i love how you said how you saw how it freed you up to uh to serve the lord i think you know a lot of people have that on their heart and a lot, i think a lot of people try to bargain with god you know lord, lord if you make this a success i'm going to serve you more and um but but you know i mean you 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 are and that's awesome so how long have you been a ruling elder so i was um i was installed ordained and installed as a, a ruling elder in july of 2020 so right oh. kind of in the middle of covid mm. uh, before that i was a deacon uh was installed as a deacon back in 2014. um and so yeah so i guess a, a ruling elder for about coming up on three years maybe two okay. and a half years yes yeah and so Fred Greco's to blame, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I, have a, I, did you, I don't know if you've seen, I have a Fred Greco um, GRN talk in this podcast. Like if you go through iTunes or something, it's it's there. I, uh, I'm, I'm on the GRN uh, general council and, and John Payne gave me permission to include uh, those talks because they've had a couple of ruling elder specific talks. And so, I don't know, I think Brad shared one of the podcasts on Presbycast and Fred's like, I didn't know I was a part of this, pre this podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, Fred, the lawyer, I hope I didn't, uh, I, I know I got permission, but from the, the owner of the video, but I didn't get permission from the speaker. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, anyway. that was a really a good talk that, that, um, that Fred gave. I think that was at the GRN that was back in, um, Birmingham. At, First uh, one, yeah. yeah, at Harry Reader's church. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I've had the privilege of going to I think two or three of the GRN uh, conferences, and just um, what a wonderful time that is to, to fellowship with other like-minded guys and to hear great speakers, and um, it's just a very encouraging uh, couple of two three days. Yes, definitely. This year it's just an hour for me in Matthews, North Carolina, which is Charlotte. So I don't know. You're probably not making that trip but oh that's right yeah i forgot i was in charlotte this year yes so i oh i actually had darren and i were discussing earlier today but if you go to ga or something we gotta we gotta grab uh are you planning on go to general assembly you think i think so it's in uh, memphis this year mm -hmm. yeah I, I i plan plan to go. oh man we'll definitely grab a meal and hang out 
Yeah, that'd um, be great. Yeah. So tell uh, tell tell us a little bit about your family, uh, kids' ages, your wife's name, uh, if you if you want. I mean, but um, just tell us about your family life and. Yeah. So my wife is uh, Stephanie. We have uh, three children, ages uh, nine, eleven, and thirteen. Uh, we go to a small. Um, classical school here in Katy called Aristoi Classical Academy and my wife teaches um, math there oh. um, she teaches all the upper level high school math um, all of the classes that I intentionally tried to avoid <laughs> uh, being in, in, in uh, this higher level calculus and, and those kind of things um, but yeah we um, you know um, are very active in, in, school, in, in both schools not only church, but also in school. And, and uh, Samuel, play, our oldest, um, plays basketball, and so we're, we're doing that a lot of the times in the evenings. And then our middle child is in violin, and then our youngest one is in soccer. And so it's just um, a mile a minute. There's always something going on. <laughs> right, right. And so my kids, so Susan and I are married uh, about the same as you guys. We have three kids also. Uh, she also was a certified math teacher. Uh, in Florida, yeah, and I, I was too. By the way, I was uh, I taught those cl uh, high school classes. Uh, yeah, after I was an engineer, I went into being a math teacher. Um, <laughs> so that's that's great. And yeah, I, I've, I, I've uh, good. I was gonna say I've I've um, really been interested in, in, and I'd like to hear more about your background sometime because you have such an interesting background. You know, <laughs> as an engineer, a product designer, a developer, um, uh, um, uh, being um, I think at admissions. Um, like over admissions at a small school, and then uh, all while getting your seminary degree and a ruling elder, and now a senior pastor, and so it's just a, a really cool um, experience uh, background. Yes, jump from thing to thing, uh, but God, God's been in it. Yeah, I was. So when I was an engineer with Procter and Gamble, I actually didn't get to design uh, any products, although I did design modifications to machinery. But it was mostly launching. Um, in the launch of new products, the the installation of the machinery at the site, and then like a process engineer getting it to run better, but then run, then managing the teams, overseeing the teams and the projects. So that was more the engineering I did. I also worked for plastic injection molding plant and a metal stamping plant for a while, and it was the same thing. It was more like a process engineer. And I always wanted to design my own products, and then like a lot of people had lots of ideas but never really kind of made them happen um but yeah I, I ended up leaving the corporate world uh not because there was anything wrong with the corporate world uh obviously i mean um but um i was just it was like a drive to get ahead and uh i was living like i had money they were sending me all over the, the world i mean i'd gone to germany a number of times and a lot of business travel and i got in with uh a, a, a travel team that we we enjoyed traveling. I mean, we 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 partied. We we got into some 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 things I'm not proud of, you know. And uh, just felt empty. I had everything I ever wanted in life, and felt like I didn't have anything. It was always on trying to get the next thing, you know. And then the Lord just he he called me out of it. And uh, Procter and Gamble was offering voluntary separation packages at the time. They were trying to downsize. And so you could apply to be downsized <laughs> and, uh, and they'll pay you to leave. And I said, this might be a great way to leave. And so I, I applied. It was like May of, um, May of 2001, I guess, 
2000. Yeah, May, May of 2001, I think. Okay. Um, and they asked me to stay through the end of the year because they wanted me to work some projects. And I was like, yeah, I'm not in a rush. And so I stayed. Uh, and then I left. And much to my parents' dismay, my um, what do you mean you left your engineering job that <laughs> we sacrificed to send you to engineering school? And uh, what are you going to go do? I'm going to go be a math teacher. <laughs> you what? <laughs> um so I moved back. I was in Pennsylvania. I moved back to Florida. And um, I, I mean, I just really, I mean, I, I sensed God was calling me, but I, I didn't know really who God was at that point. I mean, I would have claimed to be a Christian. And I, you know, I, I don't know how God kind of works. You know, we're called from the foundation of the world. And I often traced my, my um, conversion, whatever, to a, and I don't say whatever as a, as a throwaway, I mean, obviously very important, but like I came forward at a, a, a concert in middle school, a Christian concert, you know, but um, that's middle school. And then I was living like, like the world for so many years. And so when the Lord actually like opened my eyes, uh, I don't know, but he's working, he was working in my life throughout it. And uh, yeah, so I was a teacher for a while. Uh, and then when I met wife, my wife, Susan, um, that's when I really wanted to explore my faith because I said, well, Lord, I sense you're doing these things, but I don't know what it all means. And if I'm going to, this woman you've put in my life, uh, seems like can change everything. And so <laughs> we, uh, I, I asked her to read more than a carpenter with me because somebody had given me that book. It's a Josh McDowell book and she was willing to, and, and, um, yeah, the Lord just drew us to himself, you know, mm. and and in that really what I think when I look at that journey, it was kind of like I, I kind of knew that Jesus paid the price for my sins. And so I could only get forgiveness in him, but that's kind of where it ended, you know, and and in exploring with Susan what the gospel was and 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 sitting under good preaching, I realized, man, it's so much better than that. I mean, it is that. And praise God, we have forgiveness of sins, but we're then children of God, you know. Absolutely. Uh, God is our Father. I mean, that's like mind-blowing, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, my journey, I, sorry to go into all that. You were asking about it. Um, went back into the business world for a while. I was running businesses for this entrepreneur and starting up uh, multiple businesses for him and running them, hiring people for them. So, but again, none of my own products. That's why I'm kind of, uh, I'm proud of you, man. And so it's, it's cool. And then just, I was a deacon like you were, and, and then a ruling elder and, uh, just wanted, just so hungry to study. We had Knox theological seminary down in South Florida. So was, uh, was in seminary and took classes for like 10 years and really kind of thinking like the Lord was using me. I was able to teach in my church. I was able to be a ruling elder. I was serving as clerk of session, helping administratively because of administrative giftings that I had, but also shepherding, of course, and uh, saying, okay, I think this is what you're doing, Lord, because you need men in the world, uh, well, people in the world. Every Christian can't work in the church. You know, it's like, <laughs> and so this is great. You know, it's, 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 uh, but he actually ended up calling me into full-time ministry, you know, and, that, and that's something he did. So, and my whole life, I've always kind of kicked down doors that I wanted to go through. And I always said, 
the call to be a pastor, I'm just not going to do. You know, I'm not going to kick down that door. God's going to have to like drag me into it. Mm. Uh, and, and he make it so obvious and he, and he just did. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of that journey. Yeah. But I, I know what it would, I know what it is to be a ruling elder. I was a ruling elder at this point, still longer than I've been a teaching elder. So, mm. yeah, that, that's an amazing testimony of God's grace that he brought you out of, um, that, that former life and into a position now where you're able to, um, you know, preach his word on a regular basis uh, mm. from your pulpit ministry and encourage those um, around you. Um, oftentimes, you know, it's interesting, we tend to think of um, corporate secular jobs as being um, beneath those of full-time ministers. But uh, those who are out in the corporate world can have a huge influence in, in a lot of ways uh, that pastors can't by bringing the gospel to bear in their ongoing daily interactions with coworkers. Uh, and and they're exposed to, to people who the senior pastor is never exposed to. Um, and so think of the opportunity there um, for those who are in the workplace to be an example for the for the Lord. Yeah, that's that's so true, and that's very convicting to me because when particularly during the time because I have I have worked at two different schools, one Catholic, one Christian. Uh, the Christian school I was working at was maybe the largest in the country, 1,800 students at the time. Um, if not the largest, the top, got to be top five. It was a Calvary Chapel in South Florida. Uh, but I, I was when I was starting business with an entrepreneur, I was, I was witnessing to everybody. <laughs> and, and that's not in my nature. I don't say that brag. I'm just saying, like, I was just passionate for, Lord, give me the opportunity. Help me to bring conversations around to you. And give me the boldness to to go for it, you know, because so often we don't want to we don't want to take that step. And so I w I would witness to coworkers, I'd witness to vendors, I'd witness to customers, I'd witness at the sa the sandwich shop. And again, that's not a natural thing for me. Some people are just they just exude evangelism. That honestly, it's not me. It's it, and but but I would well but now, I mean. We, you know, my ministry is to the body here at Meadowview. My call is to disciple and proclaim the word. Of course, I'm out there, you know, in the world when I can be. And of course, I'm participating in outreaches as we do them. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like y y people in the world are in the world and they're able to interact with it. Like a lot of times people think it's like my job to get people in the church. Mm. And I'm like, it's not my job to get people in the church. If, if, if it's anybody's job that's not God's job, it's your job. You guys are in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. know, um, but I'm happy sharing the burden. You know, it's like, if, if, but if, if it's, if you think it's mine, it's not, it's, uh, <laughs> but we're called to be faithful in those things. So yeah, I, I appreciate that focus, you know. Um, also, I, th I think what's helped me in being a ruling elder first is, it's makes me it's made me sensitive to working with the guys on the session who have a full-time job during the day and have to come in for a meeting, you know, mm -hmm. that that can be very stressful. Mm -hmm. And they don't get to see their family that night, right? I mean, they go from work right. to a meeting and then they go home and uh so I just want to accommodate that, you know, I want to schedule things around their schedules and and so how how have you managed those kinds of things? Like you have a a young family 
and uh, at a great age. I mean, because these are great ages, are, are the ages that your kids are. And uh, but yet you have you know you're you're running a business that's growing, and you're shepherding the flock of a church. You're helping. You know, you're one of the shepherds there. How how, how do you find managing all that? Uh, well, it's not always easy. Um, and, you know, you mentioned ruling elders and the difficulty it is oftentimes to, um, to, to serve the church when they are engaged in a, a nine to five, so to speak. Um, and, you know, when I was working a full time job and doing this business on the side, it was it was very difficult because, you know, if you go to Presbytery, that's an evening meeting. Uh, session meetings are evening meetings. Um, and oftentimes, you know, different churches throughout the country, the Presbyterian meetings are on Saturdays. And so you give up that day off. Uh, you know, General Assembly is a vacation, um, you know, for your, um, in terms of taking your, your paid time off or your vacation time from that business. And so that's right. it's, a, um, it's a sacrifice, but I think it's a sacrifice that's worth uh, pursuing. Um, and being active churchmen um, in, in in the PCA and, and um, what we're doing as a denomination. And so it's important, I think, for ruling elders, you know, going back to your, your conversation, I think, with um, with more in the PCA, that was an interesting interview as well, uh, and talking about the importance of engagement of ruling elders and, um, and, and making that a priority to show up and to be on the committees at Presbytery and uh, General Assembly and... Um, in doing that, so I think that's that's really important. Um, in terms of the, you know, the priorities now and how things are are being balanced, um, you know, as I mentioned, I think I've just found that, and this has been a blessing from the Lord in a lot of ways because it has freed up time for me to engage in in the church in ways that I would have never been able to do before, and that is um, being you know more actively involved in the day to day daily lives of. Um, of our uh, church members, getting to meet them during the day, um, and um, uh, just last week, um, you know, we have a Reformed Theological Seminary here in Houston that meets at um, at Christ Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which is in Houston. Um, but because their uh, you know air handler wasn't working there, um, we had a RTS class here that was hosted by our church here in Katy. Uh, that met, and so I was able to attend um, that RTS class from uh, Dr. Guy Waters. He was teaching on oh. uh, the Book of Acts and Romans, uh, and it met during the day. And so, you know, as I was sitting there in that class a couple of weeks ago, uh, hearing him teach, it just sort of dawned on me that, um, man, what a blessing from the Lord this is. And I would have never been able to do this had I still been employed by a full-time job. Um, and so it's just, you know, the Lord is. Has, has been gracious uh, to our family and, and um, in seeing fit that this business would can, would provide for our needs and then to free up time that I could serve the church um, in, in, in that way. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So so what advice would you have to people listening who, who have an idea, either for a business or a product that would be a business, about Ba balancing the tensions of having to provide for their family, having this job security of an employer that they might currently have, and, and having to take some steps of faith, both in, in financial investment, but also with at some point saying, uh, the Lord is leading us into this. We're going to 
we're going to step in faith and do it, you know. And uh, honestly, again, while I haven't had that exact journey, that's been a lot of my story where I've quit jobs or careers because I believed I was being led into another thing. So I've left things before I had something, knowing that the Lord would lead me into that, you know. And uh, people don't really get that because it is hard. So what advice do you have mm-hmm. for people? Well, I would just encourage people to um, to pray about it, uh, to not go about it without seeking the counsel of others, uh, trusted advisors in the church. Um, mm. Talk with you know, uh, um, talk with one of your elders. Talk with a, a, a trusted uh, friend, you know, in the church, and, and get their thoughts on it. Um, and you know, just try to find that area in your life where you think that um, there is um, s- friction involved. You know, for me, it was changing oil. It was just something that I I grew up doing. I always watched my dad change oil in our cars. Mm. Um, and so, you know, as I was doing this activity on my own and just noticing that the, the friction that was there, the, um, the difficulty it was in changing oil, and then trying to see what else is being done to solve that problem. And so in your um, day-to-day life, you know, people who are wanting to start a, a products business, just try to find out what, what are the problems? What are the difficulties you're experiencing and then how are people solving that problem now? And if they aren't solving it now, then that could be an area of opportunity for you. Uh, and there are so many resources available now, podcasts, um, you know, um, freelancers, people who are doing uh, engineering work, uh, graphic design, um, engineering support uh, with 3D printers, and you can prototype and iterate, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, very quickly. And so, um, but yeah, as, as someone who's th- you know thinking about starting something like this, I would just say, pray about it, and um, you know seek the counsel of other uh, other wise um, men and women in the church that would um, point you in the right direction. Oh, that sounds like good advice. So, I definitely want to hang out with you. Maybe we can maybe we can see you. You're not you wouldn't be coming over to GRN in May, right? I don't know that I'm going to come out to sh- to Charlotte for that in May, but um, I'll definitely be at a General Assembly. Cool. That'll in, in be that'll, yeah, that'll be great to see you. Tell Fred, tell Fred the troublemaker says hello. And, <laughs> uh, Mike, it's it's so good to to talk to you. I'm I'm impressed with your business. What what's the website? What's the web address for people that want? Is valvamax.com? Is that what valvamax.com? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you change your own oil, I don't know why you wouldn't get this. Uh, go to valvamax.com. Not that this is a commercial, but I just I'm so excited to to watch this journey for you and uh, I'm going to look to see if you're in one of our lows locally when 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 that purchase order goes through. Um, but also I'm just excited for what you're doing for the Lord and your heart for the Lord and, and his church and the PCA. And uh, I hope you've been, I, I know this will be an encouragement to others that are listening that may be thinking of, uh, of going off on their own. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, thanks again, Mike. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for having me on the episode and um, really uh, appreciate what you're doing. And like I said, not only with this podcast, but also grace to stand and uh, the encouragement that, that you give out there and, um, yeah thanks for thanks for what you're doing oh you're welcome and so this is another episode of presbyterian reformed churchmen until next time thanks again bye-bye